0: you're listening to the ticker podcast from ir magazine a roundup of this week's leading stories and industry comment from the world of investor relations direct from our central london studio here's your host Glory havelock this week on the ticker podcast why your ceo is the best bearer of bad news on twitter what the rise of passive investment might mean for ir and could exxon Mobil be in trouble Welcome back to Ticker Podcast. It's a weekly roundup of the top stories from around the world of investor relations. Uh, this week we're back in the pod studio after being a bit shell-shocked from Bonfire Night last night, but I'm with Tim Heumann, Condi Simon Petit, and Garnet Roach. Hi, guys. Hi, Other than the kind of firework war zone I think most of us sat through last night, and one of the most interesting bits of news, which uh, Tim picked up today, was this. Uh, two female contestants from this year's The Apprentice have said that negative reports about fights between them are undermining women in business the altercation took place uh, over a car selling contest, I'm led to believe. Um, And uh, one of them said uh, the bizarrely enough the preview for the hunger games mocking jay part two this week that you know that hotbed to make a real point about a game show and uh, they said they're just talking about a car it really undermines women in business they just want to portray us as catty creatures that argue with one another we're actually so much more than that which i would you know definitely agree maybe the apprentice is not the best place to get a well-rounded view of women in business
1: yeah no that that was my that was what i thought about it i mean the, the, the sort of assumption there is that stuff on the apprentice is somehow representative of business in one way or another <laughs> when when clearly it's just an exercise in who can rip off the public the most each week we can bring as much cash back to Alan Sugar as possible.
0: I think that's what business is about for Alan Sugar, isn't it?
2: <laughs> Scathing review, <laughs> yeah,
0: and potentially for Donald Trump as well. I don't think he's as, as scrupulous as businessmen either.
1: No, no, I always feel sorry for the, the poor customers that get roped in by the apprentice the apprentice um, teams and end up with just whatever like
0: absolutely awful service they were offering.
3: I don't watch it. Is it the one where the guy says? Ugh. You're
0: fired. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, I, that's I thought that's, I like that. I thought <laughs> that's what happened. I was brought to believe that's what happened when you got fired from a job. You got hauled up in front of someone like Alan Sugar and told to told where you should go in front of a TV crew.
1: Yeah, well, and all of your uh, work colleagues stab you in the back first before that
0: happens. Yeah, absolutely. They all put yeah. the foot in and say, "Well, actually, I was disgusted. They only sold twenty nine p's worth of pork pies, whatever they're selling this week."
3: I prefer the Dragon's Den. It's more fun.
0: Well, uh, anyway, there's a bit of slightly more realistic news about um, a CEO this week. At least it's not Alan Sugar. Um, A study at the University of Illinois about tweeting from the C-suite. Garnet, I believe you've been looking a bit more at this story.
2: I have. um, And actually, the University of Illinois has done some research um, looking at how CEO tweets can lessen the impact of negative financial news, which is obviously good news for anyone with anything bad to say. They found that tweets from the C-suite can produce more trusting relationships with investors, and their research shows that investors are apparently more willing to invest and show higher levels of trust when a firm's CEO shares negative financial news via Twitter than when it is disclosed through other traditional channels. These direct tweets from the CEO can also help to build a more enduring form of trust, they say, which means that investors tend to discount the negative news as a one-time event. The study looked at the responses of 194 senior business students to negative news, which was disclosed via the website and Twitter from either the IRO or the CEO of a fictional company. The business students then graded how attractive a proposition the stock was and how likely they were to invest in it. Brooke Elliott, professor at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign, says that the research was born out of conversations with social media managers at listed companies. She says, quote, they express concerns about CEOs tweeting out off-the-cuff information because they don't have control or it hasn't been run by legal. Because of that, they have been very resistant to let the CEO disclose anything through his or her personal account. As well as CEO tweets, it turns out that the company website is also a good option, especially if you've got repeated negative news to share. There's evidence, they say, that investors... There's evidence, they say, that investors reading repeated negative information from a firm's IR Twitter handle are less willing to invest than those receiving the same disclosure from a company's website.
0: How interesting. So what does that mean for IROs who maybe you know, have the keys to their, their Twitter account?
2: Well, Brooke highlights one good takeaway, um, which she says is to have your CEO establish a Twitter account and simply tweet already scripted information from a press release. Obviously, that's not a new approach, um, but it is something that she describes as very low risk. The benefits of having the CEO tweet in this way could work for any type of company, she adds. She says, quote, it's about developing a perceived relationship with the person tweeting, your CEO. When management responds directly on social media, the kind of trust that develops is like they've had a face-to-face interaction with the inquirer. The medium is very different from any others previously used by firms to communicate because they don't allow for the same level of personal interaction and for that trust to develop, she adds.
0: Well, there you go. Have they got any uh, other studies they're going to go through on Twitter, you know, similar stuff as well?
2: They have. uh, They are looking into a few other aspects of the relationship between capital markets and social media. And Brooke says that she is now, along with one of her co-authors, Steph Grant, examining, quote, whether allowing investors to directly interact with a manager when they're trying to determine the value of a firm has any effect on the market price efficiency
1: it's quite an interesting like survey and interesting results but you probably need to think about it a bit more than just putting together some uh you know pre -pre pre-written statements and tweeting it out under the ceo's name because what you're going to do next i mean what happens when people start asking questions and and so on it could all get a bit messy i mean you just need someone to look after it preferably you need the ceo to spend quite a lot of time on it i guess
0: I think that's the point in the study, isn't it? The point made in the study rather is that it's about it's about developing that that bond of trust rather than rather than having them t- the point of the thing isn't to say they have to tweet out one line from the press release. It's saying wouldn't it be great if the CEO could spend time talking to investors on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I mean Tim, is the as the, the high highest ranking member of the Ticker podcast, are you gonna be tweeting select disclosures for us in the upcoming future?
2: Or just getting one of your um three underlings to do that for you. <laughs>
1: I, you know, I think we should all be on, on Twitter, shouldn't we? I think we most of us have Twitter handles going.
2: Yes,
3: most of us. Yeah, most of us, Garnet.
2: Nobody wants to hear what my pre... I think pre- <laughs> There's
0: an audience waiting out there for you, Garnet. You just haven't found them yet. But moving, moving quickly on. And Condice, you've picked out a couple of headlines this week. Not just one, but two uh, stories that you found interesting. Can you tell us a bit more?
3: Yes. Well, we, we've heard of uh, investment banks poaching IROs to offer IRO advice to their DR clients. For example, um, at our last think tank in London, we listened to Lisa Williams, who used to be Devonham's uh, IRO and, and who's now head of IR for the EMEA region at uh, City. In the US, City hired um, Dennis Walsh, a consultant at Sharon Merrill, and uh, the former president-elect of uh, Neary Boston. Well now, in an unusual move, ICR, a communications consultancy based in New York, has announced it was branching out into brokerage uh, with a, a new entity called ICR Capital that will be headed by former invested bankers.
0: So what will this new subsidiary be offering?
3: So ICR Capital says um, they will be providing expert advice on, quote, a range of activities including banker selection, due diligence, strategy, capital sourcing, and marketing transactions to the investment community. So um, it will be interesting to see if other consultancies will follow this trend, because um, most of them are actually happy to get business referred by brokers when deals take place. So they will certainly think twice before becoming actual competitors.
0: And then speaking of due diligence, I hear there's one company who may not be doing the best of, best of jobs there it might be in a bit of trouble.
3: Yes, indeed. ExxonMobil is um, being investigated by New York's Attorney General, because the company may have lied to investors about risk related to climate change. Apparently, data going back to the 70s shows that ExxonMobil scientists may have known about the climate change risks presented by the burning of fossil fuels and even related the information to the board in 1977. But what the the company actually did was uh, to not only fail to disclose the information to investors, but uh, also fund lobbies denying climate change was actually happening.
0: That's not a good combination, is it?
3: Yes, and ExxonMobil uh, might not be the only one in trouble. Peabody Energy, the world's largest coal producer... Is also under investigation over whether it properly disclosed risks to investors on issues related to climate change, and the New York Times has revealed that the, the investigation may be extended to other ener- energy firms
0: and what does ExxonMobil have to say now now it 's been kind of found out?
3: Well, the company said in a statement, we unequivocally reject allegations that ExxonMobil suppressed climate change research contained in media reports that are inaccurate distortions of exxonMobil 's nearly forty year history of climate research. It was conducted publicly in conjunction with the Department of Energy, Academics and the UN Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. So, affaires à suivre, as we say.
0: Well, I don't think ExxonMobil are going to come out of that particularly well. But I guess it's quite hard to you know, prosecute a company for information they may or may not have known 30 years ago, which with the value of hindsight, we now know to be quite bad. But no, it seems, it seems quite quite a I know, strange story to...
2: If anyone can do it, Eric Schneiderman can do
0: it. <laughs> He's your favourite. Schneiderman, Schneiderman does whatever a Schneiderman can.
2: <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> well, look, maybe uh, one thing that we can, we can task Mr. Schneiderman to, to solve is uh, what seems to be the problem of the uptick in passive investment in the world. Tim, I think this is a problem you've been looking into.
1: Yes, uh, a new survey came out last week about passive investment and uh, the impact it could have on shareholder company engagement. Uh, this is an interesting and potentially slightly scary area for the IR profession. Um, over the last several years, we've seen a big inflow of money into passive investment strategies and away from active ones. You know, so into things like index investing, also exchange traded funds, other computer trading strategies. So last year, it was estimated that 100 billion in assets uh, left actively managed funds, while 160 billion entered passive ones. So this poses a question for IROs. I mean, they spend their time trying to convince investors to be interested in buying their company's shares, but um, the pool of investors who make regular buying and selling decisions appears to be shrinking.
0: Uh, So what are the results of this this new survey say?
1: So the survey in question was from Hermes Investment Management. Um, It polled over 100 institutional investors and found more than half think the growth of passive investing will have a negative impact on shareholder engagement. Uh, the spread of these low-cost strategies will, quote, cause large shareholders to become distant from many of the companies they invest in and forego voting rights and stewardship opportunities, state the authors. The study argues, however, that passive investors should engage more, not less, with companies because engagement is, quote, the only tool passive investors have to improve the value and manage the risk of the companies they invest in.
0: So what does the, the IR industry think of this finding?
1: Well, I think most people in the industry would agree that there are many uh, important reasons for investors to stay engaged with companies, regardless of if they are traditionally passive investors or not. I mean, for a start, most institutions do remain engaged in areas like corporate governance, even if they are, you know, big uh, index tracking funds, for example. And as um, Hermes points out, if they aren't going to sell, then in a way they have even more of an incentive to be focused on how the company is run. Uh, Brad Allen, our our columnist and a former IRO, had a look at this issue in our recent fall edition. Uh, He noted a couple of other reasons why the growth of passive investing shouldn't be viewed uh, too negatively. Uh, First of all, he pointed out that active equity management is never going to go away. It's always going to be there. People are always going to be needed to do targeting. Um, He also believes that companies will need to become specialists in the way they're being traded within the passive investing world. So what basket of shares are they in? Should they be in? Are they in the right indexes and so on? And are they in the right indices and so on? And so that's a new role that the IRO can potentially fill. Uh, so there are reasons to be positive, despite what can seem as the, uh, the worrying expansion of passive investing.
0: So we're not going to do away with the IR function just quite yet? No, hopefully not. <laughs> hopefully. That might be problematic for us as well. Yes, hopefully we and everyone listening will still have a job in the in the near future, <laughs> is what we can say.
1: I mean, obviously, robots are going to take away all of our jobs eventually, oh, yeah, but that's not just IR.
3: <laughs> After robo <robo-advisors>, IROs. <robo-IROs. laughs> It's the only beep, next beep. Step. Well, there was a study recently saying that robo advisors were going to steal uh, billions of business from um, financial advisors. So, our robo IRO is going to steal <laughs> the jobs of millions of IROs.
2: There was, there was one that didn't, didn't we all have a go with it? Um, there was a story on CNBC, I think, a while back, um, where they had a robot write a news story. Um Financial yes. news story.
0: And wasn't it, it was called something bizarrely quite like Hermes, wasn't it? I can't remember the name of it. But yes, we, we all had a go at it and it was actually quite good at, yeah. at writing a pretty decent news story.
2: Yeah, you, I reckon you could you could cut out some time. You could use it for the, the basics and mm. then just kind of add in a few, little flair of your own, you know.
0: It's funny, I think we all assume that robots replacing our jobs means that we're all going to be pointless and, and poor and destitute. But actually, I think it just means that we'll all be incredibly rich because we don't have a robot to do all the boring stuff. Leave humans to live a life of, you know, Wally esque luxury. If you've seen yeah. that film, we'll be on a cruise ship for the rest of our lives. Well, anyway, if we haven't been replaced uh, by this time next week, we will be back then. Um, if you have, hear a robotic voice, you'll know that the overlords have risen up. Um, thanks, guys, for joining me this week late on, on a Friday, and we will see you next time. Cheers, Laurie. Thank you, Laurie. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? You've been listening to the Ticker podcast from IR Magazine. For free access to all the latest global investor relations news and analysis, register
3: at irmagazine.com or download the app.